Hi there, welcome to or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAnallen. Thanks for joining me in this podcast. Um, part of the, I guess, episode number 15 of the current series in 2020. This podcast was, I guess, inspired by um, a search I made earlier on for sales training. Over this last while, I've put out a fair bit of content that I feel I'm only putting out to help with organic ranks, uh, organic ranking. I'm not really sure if it's working. There is some traffic on the website. There are some emails. Um, usually I'd get about, well, on average, two emails a month inquiring about sales training, and which is pretty good given the um, number of searches that are made each month for sales training, sales coaching, sales development skills, so on and so forth. If you look at, do any kind of searching for a sales training company or sales coach, what you find is about five or six um, paid for listings at the top, one at the bottom, and then in the middle it's a real bum fight. Um, no discernible difference, if I have to say, um, between any of the players that are organically ranked. And I'd like to tell you that I think I um, define myself differently, um, but it's really hard to know how that is perceived on the other side. And sometimes I have a fairly direct approach that's reflected in my writing and podcasts and all that sort of stuff. And other times the writing is just basically magnolia. It's wallpaper just to try and attract a little bit of search engine um, ranking and improve the listings, which is a really, really poor thing to admit, but there you go, that's the truth. And I was kind of thinking today about how people go about not the process of finding out do, do you first of all do you need sales training and the answer to that is I think everybody needs training um, if you're committed to the end result of personal improvement or development then everybody needs training be that um, PE nutrition uh, mindset uh, motivational emotional and skill set for training and so on um, I think you need that but there is a kind of process that people go through and um, I wonder at what stage in a business does a, a CEO or an MD decide that they need to fix part of their process and that part of the process is the human element. Then that asks the question on top of that is, is, should that not be a consideration when you look at the overall culture of the business? That is to assume that most businesses have got a fix on their culture and the value that culture, a defined culture brings to the business. So there are a few questions that you can only really get the answer to if you ask and interrogate senior decision makers at those organizations. Then on top of that, you're looking at um, assessing skills of the existing workforce and being really, really thorough, true and methodical and honest about your measurement of those skill sets. What, what, what are the requirements? How are you measuring them? What's your benchmark? If you've been an MD in a business and you've been there for 10, 15, 20 years, you've seen it done in a certain way and most likely you yourself will be conditioned into thinking what is good or bad. And the attitude and the desire to change can be resisted um, very easily. And the markets, what does the market tell you? Looking at the market, you've got market share, you've got a whole bunch of KPIs internally that will tell you where you stand against your targets and against year-on-year performance and also market share, but does it really tell you that you're getting the best you possibly can out of your sales team? Are they set up and pointed, pointed in the right direction, um, you know, in terms of 
tele sales, field sales, regional managers, so on and so forth. Um, you know, the, the time that they spend selling against the time that they spend on administration and so on and so forth. There are a lot of things that need to be measured. As much as you would measure the production side of things, um, it's obviously very important to measure the performance of sales teams and individuals. And that, you know, you're working on the basis that in this podcast that most people are doing that, so there is some kind of measurement. In, and that measurement isn't just about CRM and activity. It's not just about the number of calls you've made. It's not just about the number of leads. And it's not just the number of follow-ups and presentations and Zoom calls and so on and so forth. There are other sort of interpersonal behaviours and skills that need to be measured just as, as much as the more practical and uh, activity-based uh, measurements and when you think of it all in that context and you're standing looking at the picture you, you know it, it looks so logical that you would want your business should have training um, I just want to say training imposed and that's kind of the way sometimes I feel that companies embrace training like it's an imposition it's something that they're you know it's almost like it's a stick to beat the team with it's almost like well you got training last year you know it's just the effort. It's just you're not putting the right effort in. You're not doing X, Y, and Z. And there's a couple of things that will, will, will happen over the next five to ten years, if not sooner than that, is that those people coming through from university and whatever generation they, they happen to be clustered into, they have higher standards in terms of value, interpersonal value. They put greater emphasis on um, finding a place within an organization, and they certainly wouldn't tolerate the, the idea or the notion that they'd be left to sit in front of a phone and work and keep on doing the same thing in and out, in, in and out, in and out, in and out, day in, day out for, for the next four or five years because they won't last that long. They will definitely have gone before, they will definitely jump before they get pushed. So there's this um, recruitment and retention issue that training can, if not pacify, it can solve completely. And that's something that um, businesses need, need to take into account. The idea also that the, the idea of native training that it's always been done that way and things have been okay um, is also a very misleading position and I've had work, I've worked with people um, guys who've worked in businesses for maybe 25, the same company for 25 years and they've said openly as they've moved into um, managing director level they've said that they'll never really fully know if it would have been better for them to leave to be on the outside looking in to see how their performance has been because they only have ever behaved in one way and that's taken into account um, a lot of business pivoting and them working very, very hard and been open to new ideas all the time but there's always that nagging doubt that maybe they're, they're, there's a better way to do something that you can embrace from another business. So again, you're looking at the idea that a lot of the times, it's really, really hard to justify to people and that training is a good thing. Um, there's no real evidence of it. You can give testimonials. You can talk a good talk. You can um, look as if you're well-read and well-studied and everybody that does a bit of sales training has a, will have a track record in doing something. But your track record, track record in actual selling is less relevant than your ability to understand mindset and the uh, picture in picture inside the individual or team's heads collectively 
individually and collectively, but also being able to do something with that information and to um, encourage, motivate, inspire, challenge, um, nurture. And all that sort of stuff takes time. You know, having a number of clients that will work um, over the long term and will put in place three to four month projects and maybe there's one client who's looking at a project that's going to last for two years, um, which is great for a whole bunch of reasons, none more important than the ability, given that gives you some, a project like that gives you the ability to plan as a, as a consultant operating um, on a one-person business basis, planning is, uh, it can be really challenging. A lot of businesses that I work with do sporadic training. They'll do training um, that gives them the opportunity to talk in board meetings about the fact that training has been done and staff have been developed. But when you push them on why things aren't um, been checked up and monitored. So, for example, you'll do a day or two days training a week for two months or three months, and there's absolutely no follow-up after that. So it's like cutting your grass and weeding the garden and planting new flowers in springtime and then just waiting until the following spring or the following spring after that to see how, how the plants have self-maintained. There's very Occasionally there's very few links between the sales management and the sales executives and the directors. So the director will want training, the managers will accept the training, the sales execs or the teams will enjoy the training and then nothing, no feedback, um, no monitoring, no uh, KPIs. So training falls down for a bunch of reasons it can be controlled. And it's like managing expectations is one thing. It's all well and good to, to say to somebody, manage your expectations. But it's also another thing to say to them or, or challenge them, really. Ask them, are you really committed to this training? Is this training something that you really, really want to happen in your organization? Is it something that you can see yourself committing and all the staff committing to over the long term? Because it, it's just not simply going to work in the short term. Short, sharp, shock treatment doesn't really lend itself to sales training. Where the stakes are very high, where the pressure is high, where the aptitude and the skills levels need to be at a certain level, where the um, motivation and the kind of inspiration and the resilience levels all need to be at a certain position too. It's a lot to ask of somebody to change ingrained habits, um, lifetime habits that have been there since childhood that are hard to change. So I guess the question has made me think today about, about people's motivation for introducing sales training. If they're really, really keen to bring in someone to coach or mentor or inspire or lead their teams or to give advice to senior executives then it has to be really well thought out and it has to be thought out at a stage way before someone googles for sales training company i think that's the key um, is that it's as important as changing your server and reviving your network um, changing your fleet of cars changing your coffee supplier in the canteens, um, changing your, your courier company, all of those things are well considered and they're not um, left to a, a Google search. Um, so yeah, that's just those are my thoughts on that. Um, I'd be interested in your feedback on this, I guess, as always. Um, I'd say thank you very much for listening all the way to this point because it's a, it's a kind of reflective and an almost a, a 
personal podcast, but it makes sense if you're at the side of the chain that um, is on the lookout for a sales training company. I'm finished with this, I guess. The, you have to be really clear and very sure as to why you want the sales training and how much budget you're putting to it and how much time you're going to dedicate because it's um, it never can be a quick fix. Thanks for listening. Um, if you need to get in touch, you can drop me an email at paul at shift-control.co.uk and also um, you can um, visit the website, which is shift-control.co.uk and I'm on LinkedIn as well. So thanks for listening and I'll catch up with you again.